<laughs> All right, welcome to the Truth Hoops podcast with myself and Shane. As always, thank you for listening, Let's Shane. Thank you for being here. I like yep. I like to say thank you for being here as if like you're a guest because it makes this you're the co-host of this. It's not like it's me hosting it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I'm thankful you that you're that here. Every time and I, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, well, let's get straight to it. Um, today's podcast, we talk about some fun stuff. We're going to dive into yep. highlight culture initially, and there's going to be some topics that bounce around that. Um, specifically, what highlight culture is, some of the kind of topics that are going around sure. with it, and some of the pros and cons with it. And then off of that, we're going to talk about some more specific stuff as well. I know we have a couple of questions from listeners, um, and we'll dive into um, kind of some more basketball tactical, technical stuff in, in terms of what is strong and mm. what is basketball strong. But first, we'll start with something that's kind of trending right now that you might see online and this whole idea of highlight culture, right? It started with the Austin. Well, I don't think it started with Austin Rivers clip, but yeah, most recent for sure though. The most recent one is the Austin Rivers clip and people kind of got mad because mm. it had some irony to it where I think it's yeah. a little bit taken out of context because as someone who watched, I'm his age, I think. So I watched his highlights. I understand yep. what he's saying in regards yep. to, his his argument basically was nowadays everyone just has highlights. And he really alluded to people like paying ball as life mm-hmm. or hoop mixtape. That was a big, big point of his to yeah. make highlights. It was totally glossed over in the comments, but I think that's what he was trying to get at was nowadays apparently people can pay for that stuff. I should have them mm-hmm. come do my men's league. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Well, I, I think it's become a pretty lucrative business for some people. You know, yeah, for yeah. views and for just for filming. So I think that uh, should be a piece into this as well. So I guess there's three sides to this. There is the the highlight that the initial argument Rivers was making was that when we grew up, oh, you know, old man Max, Shane here, um, you had to be really good to get a like you didn't get a highlight tape as just some guy. I remember Yay Area right. Finest was my area highlight tape yay areas yeah yay areas finest <laughs> it's like aaron gordon like uh the Ooh. oakland soldiers kiwi Gardner. Awesome. and you didn't just get like for example Devonte adams had one like three second clip in a montage of top bay area basketball players the guy Devonte adams who plays for uh las vegas raiders great basketball player but he had a very small clip so a guy who's going to full ride uh for football, numerous full ride offers for Division One had just a, a blip of a clip, um, and so you didn't just get a clip made. And part of the reason was editing tools were probably a little bit harder. Uh, it was harder mm-hmm. to capture content. You had to drive somewhere to film it. You couldn't have someone just film it on their phone and airdrop it to you. And it, yeah. it wasn't as lucrative as what you mentioned earlier, right? There wasn't mm-hmm. the views. There weren't reels. There wasn't TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure if YouTube is monetizing like it is now. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of a, a labor of love. And I know there's like a ball is life. Remember Quincy Miller? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Quincy Miller. Quincy Miller, was, yep. That was a big one on North Carolina. John Wall, the famous one. John Austin Walls, Rivers, yeah. who was top, top, top tier recruit coming out of high school. One of the top rated recruits, I believe, past yep. like 15 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, basically said, look, nowadays, a lot of people don't know how to play basketball. He kind of pointed at some dudes in the league. He's like, mm-hmm. got into the league, 
and people just watch a bunch of highlights and think he's really good and they drafted him and doesn't know how to play a lick of basketball. Yeah. It's a very polarizing comment. Um, we'll kind of piece mm -hmm. break it down through. Yeah. Just talking, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. I know you watched the clip initially, Shane. Yeah, I don't disagree with all of it. I actually, you know, some of it I do agree with, um, and but I also don't agree with all of it. Uh, my first thought is like when people say things like this, and then you see like people just getting hype on Twitter, like trainers, coaches are just like throwing out retweets, like it's their job. Like this is exactly what's wrong with today's basketball. And like whenever I, that happens, I have to take a step back and be like, okay. First of all, do we know all the context in which this question was asked and what he's really meaning? Like if we gave him five more minutes to speak, what else would he say? Right. Um, so th those are my first thoughts is like he has some points. And then obviously, like he benefited, obviously, from highlight culture. Um, it was a little bit different back then, but everything changes. Like Did he well, there's no way from it, though. I'll stop. I mean, if if he. I'll say this. If he didn't have any highlights, he definitely would have been, uh, uh, he would have been fine. Like he's been, he's proven to be good enough. He's proven to be in the league long enough to be a legitimate player. His um, argument was he got highlights because he was number one and right. he is Doc Rivers' son. And he's he had Doc an older Rivers brother son. who played at Georgetown. He had like all the lineage yeah. to push him towards this. So right. it's, his argument if, was like, look, I'm good enough. They made highlights of me. And he was a dog in college. Right, right. He was good in college. And I even think about I, – I even went as far as like thinking about Austin Rivers' games. Like he's kind of been the same player for a long time. Like even even in high school and in college, he kind of played the same. And then in, in uh, the NBA, his biggest thing is like he has never been like great of a shooter. He can shoot, but he's never been like a knockdown guy. So I feel like him, his skill wise, like in the same player, which is like he's been definitely good enough. But um, yeah, going back to it, I think I like to take a step back in those situations and think about kind of the context of everything. Um, I don't think it's the what you know what people are saying on Twitter as far as this is the reason why you know youth players are all these things. I don't think it's that. In fact, I, I know there's lots of situations of us. This has been happening for a long time. We we had talked about before we start recording about and one mixtape. Um, I would, I love that stuff. I wasn't able to do it. I would go in the living room and try that stuff, but I had good enough coaches around me that would be like, look, if you put it in your shirt and wrap it around your waist, I have to bench you. <laughs> like, I, I think some of these things and some of these things we think about, um, some of it makes sense, but I, I don't know that it's ruining or changing the way all these kids are like approaching basketball. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's an that's, interesting take. You train because, more basketball players, obviously, than I do. So that you probably have more boots on the ground. My argument is there's levels of change. What I mean by that is Steph Curry sure. changed the way kids go out and play basketball. That's I, I also I also think it changed the way coaches did that too. Like I think about I think about even remember that conversation we had back episode two or three or something about your coach wanting to shoot like deeper yeah. threes for no, like, and there was like this rave of, you know, deep threes and there still is. Um, I just think there might be an impact on some players. Sure. Um, but there's also like a responsibility of coaches out there because like I said, influences in basketball, whether it's on social media, on TV, mixtapes, whatever have been around for a long time. Um, and there's still people that have found out how to play basketball, why they consume that. And I think there's a lot of responsibility that needs to be held on parents and coaches in those situations, rather than just saying, Oh, players watch this. It's ruined. You know? And I think people listen too much to the noise. 
So it's not like there are kids commenting on this post being like, I agree. Highlight culture is great. I just want to do the moves. It's a bunch right. of old curmudgeons who are complaining that maybe they didn't even work with athletes. And you could have said anything what's wrong with today's basketball game and you could not physical enough or whatever. Right. He's ruining right. this and that. And there's been a trend towards that with some of the loose application of rules in the past three years with the carry rule kind of getting yeah. a little bit out of hand and yeah. the step back rule and some of the the hand checks, which are actually getting allowed a little bit more than perimeter now, but for a while, just like the rip throughs and all that stuff, it's mm-hmm. there's been a, a changing of basketball as a whole. And especially when you watch the NBA relative to college. It's and very different. I think maybe people talking about this aren't actually the people with the boots on the ground. Cause I don't right. think there's a basketball coach who's coaching division one basketball and is going to be looking at this and go, Oh, well, you know, my players don't run our offense because they just want highlights. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time believing. I don't think so. That's the case. Cause you just sit them on the bench. There's so not going to play. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but then I, I go ahead. I, that's, that would, that's my biggest argument is like, I know players, there's people consuming stuff all the, all over the world. Right. And, and when we're specifically talking about basketball players, I think there can be an education on how to consume content, how to consume social media posts and, uh, how to consume, um, highlights and stuff like that. I think if we can actually teach kids on like, Hey, I know we're seeing some of this stuff, but you should watch the full game, right? Or you should watch these other types of players on how this, like like your post on Jalen Brunson, right? Or Clay Thompson's famous however many points and however many dribbles. Like there's a lot of different ways to play outside of just these highlights. I think we can teach kids how to do that um, while still being able to see highlights. I don't, I don't know that that's totally changing everything. Let's get into that Jalen Brunson post because yeah. this actually happened without me seeing Austin Rivers. Uh, video yeah so just me being the old old hag who's yelling about basketball <laughs> and i made a post because i was watching the bucks um aj green for the bucks i'll watch his games obviously and they're playing the knicks and jalen brunson's going off and i was watching jalen brunson because i watched all these games and i think in my head well you know if this player does this move could could aj do that and what's physically needed for him to do that i watched jalen brunson and jalen brunson I don't how tall is he? Five. I mean, he does not look tall. He might no. be six one, six two, and he mm. might be listed taller than that. I don't know off the top of my head. That should yeah, have who knows? Whatever what his listing but, is compared to his actual height. Yeah. Not the point. The point is you watch him play, and it's this beautiful display of pace and physicality. And he's done this since Villanova. He was known at Villanova of being a post-up guard. He would post mm-hmm. up your guard on repeat. And he's taken that and applied it to the NBA game. And I just couldn't get over how simple he made the game look. It wasn't any display of extreme explosive athleticism because apparently I'd be very specific here because the TikTok warriors were really mad when I said Jalen Brunson didn't use his bag, quote unquote, to get 44 points. And what I mean by that, and all you younger listeners know exactly what I mean by that, fancy dribble moves. He made very clean cut moves. And so people were on two sides of the coin, either Jalen, this weird argument, Jalen Brunson has a huge bag. You're an idiot. You only cherry picked clips. Well, no, I played three minutes of the house of highlights video of every point he scored. I didn't cherry pick, cherry picked a game, yeah. I guess the one game I watched him play, but I'm not saying he doesn't have a bag. It's mm. funny how people hear that and they get so defensive about it. Cause that's maybe what they're working on. 
And the other group is the older group. And they're like, this is a beautiful display of basketball. And ironically, mm. someone commented on the page. Wait, was he a basketball player? I don't remember who it was saying it's a problem with highlight culture. And that's kind of mm. the first time I heard that. So if you're a consumer, Shane, you're, you're yeah. young Shane and you're on TikTok and you're on Instagram and you go and see me talk about Jalen Brunson, how do you digest that as a, as a young athlete? Oh man. I, if I could go back in time or if I was, you know, we go a back kid in now. time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's say you're a kid now, because the, what I'm trying to get at is the fact that people had this visceral response of like being mm. mad that for some reason, if I said Jalen Brunson, you, you used the word bag, right? Like this, yeah. he wasn't used. I, do you think that's the problem though? Is like, um, people's, you know, how people use the word bag or what that actually means. Maybe there's no definition to that. Sometimes they, you know, certain people think that's literally things side to side and, and getting to a lot of stops and change of directions. Or, um, some people use bag as the term of like, you know, little nuances, you know, in people's games when it comes to footwork or positioning back to some people, I guess could be bag as well. And even, even I see this on Twitter a lot, like, um, going to the term of like fancy dribbles. What, what does that, I had somebody tweet at me the other day. It was like, I did this, I uh, tweeted this drill about, uh, you know, using your body and finishing with some kids. And the, he literally said, yes, teach them how to play in the post and stop with all that aimless dribbling. And I'm in my head, like, what is aimless dribbling to you? Because there are dribbles that you might see that look aimless, but there are, they actually have a purpose, but maybe you don't understand that purpose. So I, maybe that's the issue is, you know, the term bag or the term of fancy or those things. Like, what does that actually mean? See, so you're nice. I don't think that's the problem. Okay. I think the problem is people don't want to be wrong. And so if I say something that's contrary to what they're doing and they've invested a lot of time doing it, they have a time investment to hope that they're right. And so what I mean by that is I say, look, this alternative way of playing basketball exists. And sure. all these kids have only watched whatever social media clips of certain moves. And they think mm. they have to put a four move combo together. And they think that's why they're not at Jalen Brunson's level. And then they go and actually mm. watch Jalen Brunson play. And he just like this beautiful, keep it in your left hand pace right. and play. And then they get mad because I'm telling them something. I'm not telling them. I'm showing them something that's factually correct. That is a juxtaposition to what they had been practicing. And then I think well, that goes back to Austin Rivers complaint about highlight culture sure. is that kids are not seeing Jalen Brunson score 44 points in basketball. They just see right. him make one step back and they're like, that's how he must have scored 44 points versus watching sure. the game. And so then well, people get mad you know, about that. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I could see that. And I, and if you look at like sports center house highlights, or even the, if you look at the NBA and this, the, we've talked about this before about social media, this could be a whole different podcast. The NBA two years ago, three years ago, they weren't posting stuff like they're posting. Now they weren't showing people with their getting their ankles dropped. They weren't showing all these people getting dunked on and all these moves. They were not showing that there. I don't know what they were showing to be honest with you. And it might've been a little bit longer than three years ago, um, but there's been a very clear switch in the way the NBA account on Instagram is posting social media. And uh, they've probably grown more followers this way by showing highlights and stuff that's engaging um, because social media is like, at the end of the day, it's basically entertainment. Oh yeah. It's not like and basketball not all, not all the time. 
Right. And exactly. And, and you can use it for an educational tool for sure. Um, but, uh, I think there's a large percent of people that are on there, uh, to entertain and usually the entertainment type of stuff does engage well and, uh, you know, pushes that up. So I guess the strategy would be for anybody that's trying to post socials, like how can you be entertaining and educating at the same time, which is very tricky. And sometimes you got to slide that scale, but yeah, if you look at the accounts, man, it's it's very pushing. It's pushing towards the highlight stuff, and that's where I kind of come back to what Austin River says. I don't disagree with everything he's saying. I just don't don't think that's the only reason you might be seeing some shifting in um, how players play, right? Or if if, ki- if a kid got on the floor and did some crazy stuff, I'd be like, yeah, he might have been watching some dumb stuff. But like, why is that coach, you know, in practice? How has that not been taught to not do things like that? Or like, how has he been led to that direction? It's, it's a problem that I don't think you can resolve by just no more highlights allowed. Sure. I think as, as educators and coaches, you do a good (laughs) job because highlights are great. I loved watching top 10, top 100 dunks. Oh yeah. Every new year's they do the top 100 dunks of, of the year. Yeah. Whatever. I'd watch them. 50 minute YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And, it was great. It made me passionate about basketball. It didn't change how I played basketball. Um, I do think the dunk is the most overrated mm. thing ever. Um, yeah. I, think, I think it's so blown out of proportion. I've watched guys. I watched AJ Green win Missouri Valley Player of the Year to you know last year, and I don't think he had like maybe he had like two dunks. Yeah. <laughs> so like out of all the points he scored, it's probably like zero point zero one percent. Of his scoring, but like, I think athleticism, which happens in, you know, people most clearly understand it through a dunk is really Mm -hmm. important, which is very different. You can be very athletic. Like Jalen Brunson's very athletic and Jalen Brunson can dunk a basketball. His dunking abilities play no role in his scoring, but his athleticism does. And so like the obsession with dunking, I think there was some famous (laughs) quote. I don't remember what athlete it was. I don't know. It was really early on in my TikTok career of watching stupid stuff. It was some guy dunking basketballs and it was like a college kid. He's like maturing is realizing trying to dunk after practice uh, isn't going to get you any more minutes. And it was like <laughs> a career of a four minute player. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a video of him like every year That's trying hilarious. to dunk after practice. I thought that was really funny. Well, um, the highlights are such a snippet of the game, you know, and, and if that's the only thing that we're seeing, and then you see you have trainers or content producers that are, you know, breaking those things down and, and stuff like that, it is um, just such a small part of the game. Um, I will say this, though. I, I feel like with the kids that I've seen, not just with moves, right, just understanding concepts, understanding how body positioning, creating contact, I think now we have some of the most skilled basketball players than we've ever had, and that's – should be how it is because we're we have more tools more resources um i do think that there's definitely some bad players out there for sure um, but i look at some of these younger kids and again not only what can they do with the ball but when i watch them play three and three or if i'm talking to them about some sort of pick and roll concept where you know you create an advantage this way so that guy's open then you hit the lift pass like things like that they're understanding at a faster rate um so i'll say that that direction is going um well, I do think that they're probably like Austin River said, there is a very big emphasis on on highlight stuff. So it's tricky, man. I could that's kind of my my dilemma is like I see both sides. Well, 
I have no highlights, so I can't even, you know, yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> if I had, we have no B-roll for this conversation. <laughs> if, I had more highlight, if I had more highlights, maybe more pro highlight culture. It's like yeah. a showcase some, but what I really don't. the last know. great one, like Zion? Zion's was probably like the last, like, awesome, the last person awesome. I watched. Yeah. For like highlights and that I feel act, like those actual highlights. highlights. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The Andrew Wiggins had one, and then you had Seventh Woods was Wiggins a classic. Was good. Yeah, and then you had you know the OG ones like Word of God, Holy Rams, where that was John Wall's you, team, and you all remember those uh, you remember like the, I mean, there's a lot of players that got highlights when they're like eighth, ninth grade, and then never really kind of panned out as yeah as seventh woods. It's a guy for North Carolina. Well, yeah, he was yeah, very for famous. A ton of players. Yeah. All right, so. we're gonna take a break here, and we're gonna come back. Um, we're going to have two more things coming up. We got a highlight draft we're going to do. We're going to do a top three picks. You pick your favorite highlight because, you know, why not top off highlight culture with yeah. having then a huge promotion of highlight culture by picking your three <laughs> favorite highlights. Your, fa- uh, your mixtapes, I should say, not highlights, but mixtapes. And then we're going to go into uh, what does it mean to be strong in basketball. So we're going to take a break and we'll get right back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Now we're going to have our... Uh, highlight draft here. Top three picks. I'll give Shane the first one. We're going to go with three picks here. By the way, off the board initially is going to be the John Wall mixtape. Oh, that's crazy, <laughs> bro. That That's in the rafters. Okay. That's just hung up in the that's rafters. Top, that's too high of a tier then, huh? Yeah, you can't pick John Wall and then everyone. It's just like if we're in that's a, right. that's the Wimbanyama of this draft. I, <laughs> ooh, there you go. I think, John, I think John Wall was an OG, but I think there's... If you look at, I guess, the upgrades in technology in editing, oh, I think there's go I think, some, okay, interesting. I All right, well, I'll give you the first ones. one here, Shane. You're gonna I'm open going, up. I'm going Zion with the first pick, just because of the outrageous just size and dunks. The man was a mammoth. He was a man amongst boys. I'm going Zion number one. Number two, which is my, or I guess, my first draft pick, which is second off the board. My first pick, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's senior year mixtape. We're going to put it on here. And you guys are okay. all going to be dumbfounded that you haven't watched enough of this. I don't think who mixtape had it. I think it was Yair's finest. And it's one of the most ridiculous mixtapes you'll ever see. I actually recently just watched it again because he was playing. I was like, man, I wonder, was that mixtape really as good as I thought it was? And I watched it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like This is so stupid. This is uh, ridiculous. Okay. I like it. I'm. I actually. I told Max I was cheating a little bit. I'm looking at a list, and Aaron Gordon is pretty low on that list. Surprisingly, I'm sure it is pretty sick though. Yeah, he doesn't get enough love. It's he's the single huh. best high school dunker. Period. Above yeah, Zion I mean, Williamson, we're gonna put this me... on, and we're gonna be absolutely blown away by. It. I think it's a senior year one. It's like starts you're... off, and he's like in a tank or something, like a black and white tank. I think that's the one. You're making me. Crazy. You're making me want to uh, pick some some sleepers out there. So I'm thinking, um, God, we should put some others in the rafters. But all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go OJ Mayo for my sleeper for my number. I guess it'd be my number two pick or my number three pick. But OJ, oh man, that dude was nasty. I'm going OJ as a throwback. That's the one that ends where he throws it off the glass. Yeah. To himself, he got tossed out of that game. Yeah. That was a really I, good I think, one. I think that was the start of my probably like me getting into some of that stuff. That one in the John Wall and maybe All right, some well, here, here's my second here my second pick, Brandon Jennings. 
Oh, that's what that was going to be my next one. Yeah, it's, he's uh, not he's not making it to the, the third round. <laughs> the Oak Hill Academy one. Yeah, I'm looking and, at it right now. He's fourth. The on SoCal this Stars. List. Oh my yep. gosh, his jumper. <sighs> that that's the it's one of the prettiest. It's one of the coolest jump Brandon's shots. Brandon Jennings, that lefty man. And he sways all the way back, and he just almost like just slings it like it's just a pow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then his uh, it's just has a special place in my heart. Thank you, Brandon Jennings, for making great basketball highlights. I'm I'm tied for my next pick. I'm tied with two, and I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Austin Rivers just because I think it might be a little bit better and a little bit more iconic. Um, funny that we say that because that's kind of who we talked about in the beginning of this no. podcast. But I'm going Austin Rivers. Um, where did he go to school? Back he was in Florida, right? South is a South Park, West Park, yeah, there Park you something. Yep, yep. Um, he was legit, and I remember thinking like this dude is Doc Rivers, and it was kind of around after Doc Rivers. I think he was still with the Celtics at that time, but Doc's name was getting up there. He's pretty big, um, and I'm like, dude, I really want this guy to get to to be legit. I want his son to be the next great thing in the NBA. All these things. So that one was a big one. Now, there's a lot of good ones you can pick in this one. So I have the last pick and you can say, Oh, you can go with Derek Rose. Maybe. Um, are you going to go with someone more modern? There's actually a lot of good modern ones too. Or like Andrew Wiggins was a classic one. That's who I thought you were going to pick. Nice. No Kiwi Gardner. Kiwi, Kiwi Gardner. Kiwi Gardner okay. is one of the most outrageous mixtapes. I have you'll ever see a long time. Kiwi Gardner out of, um, Oh my gosh. I can't remember the high school he played at. He, I'm trying to find fair, it on this list. Fair, see if fair it's field, on here. Fairfax, fair. They were green. Um, so he was amazing. Oh, yeah. And that's a total bias pick because I'm from the Bay. He um, went to Providence. Yep. Didn't play ever. I think so. Just absolutely. I played Kiwi Gardner in a game once. And him and his brother he's, Peewee. And it was ridiculous. But he's actually I'm, last on this list. Just made it. The honorary mention to this is Akil Carr, which none of us picked. Oh, he's on the here. Akil Carr mixtape is also. I'm giving Kiwi oh, Gardner the plug first, though, because I feel like Kiwi Gardner was the first small guard extreme mixtape, and Akil Carr came after, if I'm mm. not mistaken, in terms of chronology here. Uh, you know, here's I'll give you a quick top five. John Wall, Akil Carr, Seventh Woods, who I know you enjoy watching, Brandon Jennings, and then Andrew Wiggins, and then it kind of goes down the from Andrew there from Wiggins some... was kind of redundant, though. It was just like him hop-step dunking on people for like 15 yeah. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like anything else. It was like, oh, a hop-step dunk. Oh. Look, another hop step dunk. Oh, look, he's dunking on another person. Wow. Yeah. I don't think Zion's even on this list. They must not have counted him. The Seventh Woods one was probably the most crazy one because he was like in seventh grade in that video. Marcus Lovett. Remember that one for sure. Yeah. St. John's. Interesting. Yep. Yep. I remember, actually, I'll give you, I'll throw a woman out there, Thon Maker. When I watched Thon Maker's highlights, I was like, this dude's seven feet tall can dribble, dunks on people. He had a decent career, didn't really. Yeah, end he was up like 27 in that long. highlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Highlights, man. Love them. The, um, the, the last one would be the team highlight is the Holy uh, Word of God, Holy, was it Holy Rams, Word of God, whatever that is. Huh. They had a whole team. And that was Quincy Miller, mm. so, um, someone Bishop who ended up playing a small school crazy bounce. Um, is it Quincy AC? Is that the right Quincy one? AC? Yep, yep. Is he the one who played at North Carolina State? Uh, I don't Quincy know. Quincy AC, the big man from Baylor. I remember him in the league. I think he's Baylor. He had a he had a goatee. Then bald it's the head. guy who played. It's he also bald head. It's Quincy 
Miller. And there's some, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking. Look it up for me, Brendan. Help me, Brendan. Mm-hmm. Um, he played on the Holy Rams Word of God team. And the whole team is stupid. North Carolina State did really well. Whatever. Great highlight. Yeah. Unbelievable mixtapes. Wonderful. Well done. All right, we're going to take a break as we kind of move into something a little more technical here. Talk about what's basketball strong. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon's mixtape, dude. You got you got to watch that. I got to rewatch that one. It's I probably haven't even seen that it's one. Disgusting. It's the best high school dunker you'll ever. He's catching like double clutch pumps on people. Like it's like so stupid. Hmm. <sighs> rewatch that one. We would just lose to him every year. Just it would be our buzzsaw. We just play Aaron Gordon. <laughs> Their team is so good. <laughs> stupid. Yeah. All right. Well, we're back. We're talking about what does it mean to be strong, basketball strong. So yeah. I'm going to throw it right, right at Shane. Shane, mm. what does it mean to be basketball strong? Oh, man. First thoughts. Very first thought. I'm thinking back to that Jalen Brunson clip that we talked about. Being able to um, get to positions on the floor that you need to get to. And we kind of talked about this with ball handling. Like, what is ball handling, right? I think it just depends on your position. So if I'm a shooter, being able to set myself up and come off maybe some down screens. um, I see a lot of players that physically don't look that strong that end up uh, playing pretty strong. Um, So my first thoughts are getting to spots that you need to get to without being um, pushed off your line or, or things like that. And then my second thought is just the security of the ball. I think a lot of coaches like, yeah, be strong with it. Um, so that's, those are my first two thoughts. They're like getting to spots and then uh, just playing secure, you know, and taking care of the ball. I remember the first time I played someone who was like noticeably stronger is I slapped down to rip him on triple threat. And I just hit mm. the ball and my hand stayed on the ball. And they just like looked at me and like laughed. And I was like, oh, that's really too bad. So yeah. when I think of basketball strength, I don't think of it in terms of, uh, you know, people think in the weight room, you know, can you mm-hmm. lift a lot of weight? Can you do that? And that can play a role into basketball strength. An example yeah. is like someone like Reed Travis. Do we play with where yeah, when they strong. hit you, you could call him strong for sure. Yeah, you feel it on you lose oh. a couple of years of your life when he hits you with a forearm to the chest. You can Dude. watch him play. Is a I'm just a monster down there, but it's guards or big men, whatever it might be. You don't need to be hulking and muscle bound. I play guys who are jacked, who are just weak. You can bump them off their spots. Yes, yes. The guys who are strong are is when they hit you, you move, and when you hit yep. them, they don't move. Yep. We play, I play with a guy who didn't play basketball. He was a former, golly, um defensive I think the center for the Vikings played a year or two the hmm. big man lost a ton of the weight plays pickup with us now doesn't look like a center at all just looks like a kind of strong dude I've never felt someone hit you or try to get through a screen as hard as him like if you try to get Oof. around a screen he will not move it's like hitting a rock and I think mm-hmm. about that because as a center you block people right and so you're constantly having to ward off the rushing attack to sack your QB. So your legs are leveraged to resist movement. And that's the same thing when it comes to basketball is when someone uses their body to either not let you move into them or them to move you. So basketball strong, I guess the simple definition would be able to create space 
or resist the ability to give space with a single contact. Mm. That's going to be my basketball strong definition. I like it. I like it. I think I've been hit by some people that I didn't think was very strong either. And they had the right angle and the right leverage on my body and definitely displaced me. And then I've also been hit people by like, like, like Reed. I have plenty of clips of me playing either dummy defense or actual defense on Reed where um, even just a bump, it like, I just, you, you know, in those situations, like, yeah, I don't have a chance. Like if I really try to play, he could move me. <laughs> like I just couldn't, no matter how hard I push foul, it's not going to matter. So yeah, I think I think kind of going back to what I said initially was just angles and leverage to me. If you can uh, find those, um, you know, with your feet and your legs and your butt, then you can do pretty well strength wise. So I think we're going to I'm going to define this. If you want to be basketball strong and you want to yeah. create space, you have to push through your opponent. I think too many people push to their opponent. What mm-hmm. I mean by that is when they're driving to the hoop, they seek out to make contact. They don't seek out to displace the person. So if you're trying to actually, like they say when they punch somebody, you don't punch to the face, you punch through the face. Because if you're just punching to the chest as you're making a move, if they hit you with anything harder than what you're coming at, you'll get bumped off very easily. Sure. And I think that comes from two areas. I think that comes from obviously having the right angle to push through someone, but also the strength or explosiveness in your legs to be in that position to generate distance through that person. So I think sure. a lot of people get overextended and they typically reach for space versus pushing through to space. Cause when those guys hit you that you think are basketball strong, they're never off balance on their next shot. They're sure. like still standing there and you're tumbling backwards. However many feet. So, so, so being able to create contact without yourself getting displaced. Yeah, and I think that's the need for being strong. And if you talk about strength, we can talk about a couple of exercises really easily. Like if someone would just wanted to train their legs to get stronger, you don't need to pick. It's not like this one magical exercise. It's not like, oh, the squat or the front squat or this, you know, goblet squat's going to be the one. You're going to need to just find a way to get your legs stronger in a squatting pattern. Pick one that works well for you. So then strength. That's one part of it. Then actually being explosive. You don't just want to be strong. You got to generate that force in the amount of time that your foot's actually on the ground. So that's where doing things like jumps. When we worked out, Shane, I had you do some of those trap bar jumps. You saw Reed do those. Yeah. So we're trying to work on being able to produce force rapidly. So now you have the ability to produce force, a lot of it, and quickly. And then with you, you work on the technical side. Can I produce that force to actually push through somebody to create space. And I think that's kind of like the secret recipe to building quote unquote basketball strength where you can displace someone because now you have the right angles, but you also now have the right force and momentum to actually move the person versus that person who's always in great position. And you've probably played these guys before and they'll hit you and you're like, that should have knocked me off a spot, but it sure didn't. And it's probably because they didn't have the right actual force to get through and make you move. So here's a question for you. Let's say you get an athlete and uh, just physically, maybe they're not um, strong, right? Or maybe they can't move a bunch of weight or they're not as explosive, but they're really good at the angle skill part. What would your approach? Would it just literally be like, let's just get stronger? Or how would you go about that? If you are a star, if you're starting off, let's say you got a young athlete, yes, you haven't done much. 
You don't because I I have a lot of young athletes that skill wise are great and they could get to spots, but I think when a young athlete goes into some a contact type of situation, they feel as though since they're smaller, their body wise they're smaller or whatever, they won't actually try to do something like that in the game, even though they know the proper foot placement, the proper angles, things like that. Because they'll probably hit you and not really go anywhere. <laughs> Right. They don't have much pop. And and maybe they don't want to get hit because it probably will hurt, right? Or they're afraid of what their body can actually take. And so that kind of comes with two different areas, right? Do they physically have enough mass to do it? And that's really not as big of an issue as you think. John Morant's pretty tiny. He's like very physical. Even Isaiah Thomas is Jalen Brunson. These guys are not like, you know, hulking humans who are right, six right. nine. They're not, they're very explosive athletes. And so that's one thing that's important is it's not just about, you know, the technical part, but then being strong enough to express that technical aspect. And if you're a younger athlete trying to get stronger and you say, look, I can't display someone because I just don't have enough explosion in my legs. Mm-hmm. You don't want to then immediately go into what's Ja Morant doing or whatever, what top level athlete, what's their workout? Because they might be at level eight going to level nine, but you're level yeah. zero going to level one. So someone actually stopped me the other day and asked this very same question, not making this up. We were going up the stairs and he goes, oh, you know, my son is a big basketball player. Um, We're starting to get him in the weight room. What's some advice that you'd give for that? And I said, well, honestly, less sometimes is more. And what I mean by that is if doing just a couple of exercises really well makes progress, that doesn't mean doing lots of exercises really well is going to make more progress. It's just going to be an effort of trying to recover from the fatigue you put on yourself. And so a really simple thing to think about is you want to balance between the amount of stress you apply to the body and the amount of time you give to adapt, not just recover. People think it's Mm. just recovery. Oh, I want to lift today. Am I not fatigued enough to lift tomorrow? Well, that's recovering back to baseline. We want to surpass baseline and actually make adaptation a change. So you want a balance between the amount of stress and the amount of ability to quote unquote recover and adapt to actually make progress. Now that ratio is dependent on what you have done in the past. A really easy example is if you have a buddy who runs distance long marathons, you wouldn't just say, I want to go train with you and you would run the same distance as your buddy. Because you're going from zero to elite marathon runner, you're going to get hurt. You would go from zero to maybe a mile and then a mile to maybe a mile and a half. And that's going to create enough change because your starting baseline was so low. A lot of times athletes who are younger will see these highlight montages of someone like AJ Green deadlifting 550 pounds. They'll say, wow, that's what I need to do. Well, maybe you want to get there, but to get there doesn't mean you need to do exactly what his workout was because- AJ is very strong. So to continue to make progress, we got to do a little bit more than if someone were not very strong, you don't need to do that much. And so it's, it's really much, pretty much relative to what you've done. And so if you think about that, a really simple principle is called acute to chronic ratio. Tim Gabbett has research on this, and this is important for anyone, no matter what you do, whether it's basketball, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's reading your ability to handle a certain amount of workload, whether it's lifting weights, running, heck, some people even think about this in terms of like education and reading, studying and whatnot is relative to your history of doing it. So your acute, how much your average daily time spent this week needs to be somewhat similar to your chronic, how much you've done the month before, two months before, 
And that should be a happy ratio of somewhere between one to 1.2. So you're just doing a little bit more. If you just go from nothing to like, I'm going to do everything, you have a huge spike in your workload. Well, you can be ready for your body to try and push back from that and then not want to make any positive change. Sure. And, and so it's just a really simple like macro principle that you could say to your athletes, Shane, hey, you guys going to work on shooting? Yeah, I haven't done any shooting. Cool. Do 10 minutes before you do an hour. Like mm -hmm. don't do an hour of shooting. Progress to it. Yeah. Get progress to it. And so same thing with lifting, but people don't always think about that. They think they got to do 95 different things. No, just be really simple. Be stronger. Measure your progress. If you're making progress, then your workouts are doing the right thing. Okay. So for you, you've trained, you've worked with AJ Green and uh, Reed Travis, two different types of bodies, um, two different styles of playing. What are some differences that you've noticed with, I guess, just those two athletes, or maybe there's a better contrast of athletes that you've worked with? Um, and how does that go about what you do? Like, cause I've seen you do some of similar lifts with AJ that you've done with Reed, but maybe they're for a different purpose. AJ and Reed are actually kind of weirdly similar at times. So, okay. <laughs> which is why you see some overlap between them. Sure. Um, a, a person who is a good example is Will, the guy who I'm working with right now, yep. Will's going to go play in Australia. Um, and AJ. So Will is naturally really strong dude, but he's a guy who doesn't like to use like his hips and his quads a ton. He likes to have momentum. An example is I can have him. He's six, seven, 235 pounds under the hoop and a standing vertical. He can not really dunk the basketball with two hands. I give sure. him two steps and he can stick his elbow in the rim. Hammer it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so the question becomes why, and is it important first and foremost? So you start with, how do you play basketball? Cause sometimes you might have these discrepancies and like, oh, I don't perform this, but who cares? You don't even use it. So you don't even play like that anyways, right? <laughs> I don't really care if you can do that. As a big man, which he's kind of like a hybrid big man, it is important to have a short step ability to finish at the rim because you might be in a roll situation. You might be in a dunk off situation. Mm -hmm. So that is a common action. You don't need to dunk it per se, but getting elevation to make initial contact is really important. And so with someone like him, right off the bat, you could tell, that maybe his quads weren't very strong just based on some of his movement patterns. He didn't want to load his quads in a certain way. You could tell by the numbers themselves, like how much he lifted off on some of the exercises. And then you could yeah. kind of corroborate that with how he moves in certain patterns. Um, you could say something very stationary, like a vertical jump is going to be really quad dominant, but he has really good ankle strength and hip strength. And so I said, he didn't like to get in his hips, I mean that in a deep bend position, but if he's running, he'll plant his foot and just take off like, pew, like a high jumper. And so you can see these guys who like velocity and they want to always be in a high velocity position. Someone who sure. likes to run and then take off. And then you see power dominant guys like Reed. Reed doesn't necessarily want tons of velocity. He'll actually probably slow down, especially when I first had him before he would dunk. A great thing sure. to think about is if I threw a ball in the fast break and that person caught the ball at the free throw or the three-point line, a couple steps back, and they're running 60%, will they speed up to dunk it or will they slow down to dunk it? Reed would probably at first slow down. He'd probably chop his steps, get his feet with him, and then try and go off a short one-two step. Will, on the other hand, would catch it and try and accelerate. And those are the hmm. guys you see take off one foot, really quick contact, fly through the air. Um, a simple example of someone like that in the NBA, 
John Morant's kind of an extreme example. He's a two foot jumper, but he's super velocity dominant, loves a lot sure. of speed. Um, traditionally big men don't like it as much. You watch like Andre Drummond's like an extreme example of a big man who just mm. wants to be two foot or one, sure. two step off one very powerful. Um, and then you have guys kind of in the middle ground who maybe are kind of, uh, are freaks like Zion's a freak who can just do both despite being gigantic. And that's why he's the best athlete. And same with like LeBron, right. LeBron but like yeah. Russell Westbrook's a high velocity guy, everything, all those punches. He loves to just sprint into them. Like if he caught it at the so here, go ahead. Here's a question for you: is is there a is there a piece that you like? I think about a, a basketball player that maybe um, can play really fast, and then you know something that you'd want to add is some sort of change of pace. Um, is there something like that with strength, um, or in your world where it's like we want to build this what you have? Is there a time and place where you say, okay, we want to spend time on stuff that you're maybe not good at? So like with Will. If he's like a high velocity guy, is there a time where you spend more, uh, I guess, attention on stuff that, um, you know, him slowing down or playing off a two? Yeah. It's, so it really depends where you are in your development. As a younger kid, you probably want to try and develop as much as you possibly can. Right. So you're not playing for one role, right? Yeah. You're not playing for this. You want to go off one foot, two foot, left foot, right foot, all the things because mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to be. You want as much sure. clay and putty as you possibly can to then shape into what you will be. If you just For constantly do one thing, you're going to only limit the amount of total putty you have. Yep. Or, uh, you know, Play-Doh, whatever kids use nowadays. Yep. yep. But when I'm older and I'm trying to be a professional athlete, my window is not eight years. <laughs> like if I'm a 12-year-old. Sure. got to do, do what you're great at. Okay. And so that you're now sense. looking at it in terms of I have a two and a half year window to maximize mm -hmm. my physical ability to give me another two and a half years on a contract. So yep. if I have a contract now and we're going to play the pretend game that when the contract is up, um, I'm probably going to, in theory, if I don't make any progress, I'm not going to have a better contract. I might have the same one, but if I'm trying to make progress. You might even have a less of one. If you didn't do as well as you'd like to sure. you basically have two year windows or a year and a half or even six month windows to try and really feed into what you are. And so that's where if you're working with a professional athlete, you want to narrow it down because you literally, when it comes down to the math, only have about 55 to 75 working sessions to make that person more money. And so you don't yeah. have time to like do random things that might not totally work. But when you're a kid, it's not random because you just don't even know what you're doing. Because you you might grow yeah. into whatever, and if you only worked on um, this one really hyper specific move, then you're not going to develop other things. And so, the, for yeah. a younger athlete, getting strong relative to your body weight is hardly a problem. That's normally a good thing. Yeah, spending all your time trying to get strong is probably a bad thing. That's the difference. You can get stronger as a byproduct of your training. You don't need your entire training focus to get stronger. You could, yeah. you should also work on things like being Those other things. Yeah. jumping high, running fast, playing tag, change directions. Sometimes try to play a game where you have to move really low in weird positions that you're not comfortable with. You want to expose yourself to all this with a professional. So one, you could pick a thousand things and say, Oh, they're not good at all these things. Or like, yeah, there's a lot of things you could say they're not good at, but what's one of those really matter? Cause your job description is really well defined when you're professional. One more question. This is more fun for my, for me. 
somebody like Russell Westbrook that has, you know, probably peaked when it comes to his athleticism and is maybe going down, who knows? I have no idea. What would you do with somebody like that? That's somebody that maybe needs to look at adjusting his game or would you try to just elongate the athleticism piece of it? Uh, There's two things to that. One is like, if you had numbers before, you just would like to have the numbers relatively close. But in reality, if we sat down and we said, what would make Russell Westbrook's career extend six years? It would be nothing athletic. It would be mm-hmm. a jump shot. If he could shoot 40% okay. from the three-point line. Yeah. He'd be, so if someone said, hey, Max, train LeBron James. What would you do, Max? I would say, well, I would try and keep him healthy. Yeah. And then let LeBron be LeBron. <laughs> like He's already <laughs> like a Hall of Famer. What am I going to do at this point? Um, you're just basically trying to make sure he's healthy. You're trying to make sure that he's physically comfortable in his lifts. The lifts never take, that's really important. When you're working with professional athletes, you never want the weight room to take away from the training. Because people think about lifting weights as this like separate entity outside of skills. And those people who think that way, typically think that way because maybe their school setting limits their ability to do that. But also they think that way because it gives them some level of power. I'm the only person who can help this side of basketball. No, the squats and being strong for some athletes might be kind of important for other athletes like LeBron James career might not be important at all. Like if someone came to me and goes, Max, you're going to train Russell Westbrook today. We have an hour to lift weights. I'd say, well, Russell, what else are we doing in the day? He's like, well, I have an hour of skills. And after that, I'm kind of tired and I get some shots up. And I said, well, maybe we'll lift for 20 minutes because we got to maintain some stuff. And those other 40, we can dedicate towards trying to find ways to help a jump shot hmm. or help whatever. My job is a part of a team. He, the athlete is the CEO. They have a chief marketing officer, a chief technology officer. They have all these people. My job is not to pretend that I'm the CEO. They're the CEO, and ultimately, it's about making them more money. They don't hire me to make them a good lifter. They don't Mm. hire me to make them good at shooting hook shots. They Mm. they hire me to help them make more money. That's the end of the day. Do you think Russ did that this summer? I don't know. I have no idea what Russell Westbrook does. And uh, he's honestly, at the end of the day, no matter what anyone says, the guy has an amazing career. For sure. A yeah. fabulous career. And so it's really important for like that. He should be super proud of that. Mm-hmm. He made a ton of money. That's going to change his life. And he's one of the best basketball players, one of the, you know, triple threat God based, not triple threat, triple double God. Yeah. MVP Hall of Famer for sure. That doesn't mean he can't work on things. Right. And I'm sure he's worked on certain things, but there's also certain aspects where, you know, maybe he hasn't, it's tough to look at. So it's like so easy to pick on someone of yeah. that nature. It's when you're that good and you've done so much, it's hard to say like, yeah, we'd like more, but that's a great way to just say yeah. things and make us feel good. When <laughs> if my kid had Russell Westbrook's career, I couldn't be more proud of him. Right. Like, you know, like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations to Russell Westbrook on his career. But I think it's important yeah. maybe for guys you can say, you know, you could say Max, it's inarguable because you could say then you know, he could actively work on some stuff. And sure, I don't know what he's doing, but he's done at the end of the day. If he just retired today, he did a, had an amazing career for sure. 
Yep. I, I think, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I think there's some things too, where you've heard of like MJ tell the story or Colby tell the story, basically adjusting his game after his, some of his athleticism started to go in a different direction, more fadeaways, more back to the basket type of stuff, less dribbles, less all these things. So I might just find it always curious to see what people and LeBron has talked about that too, but there's also, also some things as a LeBron fan that I wish he would work on a little bit more, just like, I guess everybody else. But again, you look at these guys, it's like, what else could we ask of these guys to do? You know, what, what else are they supposed to do? You know? So yeah, if your job's to help him make always more money, interesting. He, he's been so yeah. successful with what he's done. Like yeah. maybe it's like sm- the big thing too, with the, small with Giannis. Jeez. Like, yeah. With, with Giannis too, I think everybody's like, why doesn't Giannis just shoot a bunch of shots? And, and I probably, I think he probably is shooting shots and is attempting to do that, but I don't know. It's like, you can't take away from things that they do great, you know? And we talk Everyone's about that gonna complain. and Luca. Yeah. And why isn't Luca yeah. getting shape? Why doesn't Giannis shoot about shoot more? Why doesn't Russell Westbrook get a jump shot? Like, okay, these guys are already magnificent players. I'm more interested in the guy who, you know, didn't reach Russell Westbrook reached his potential. Like LeBron James mm-hmm. reached his potential. But the real question is from an economic standpoint, are the guys who didn't reach remotely their potential, who are a draft pick or projected to be super high outcome people who did not reach their potential. And I'm going to follow up on that note there, because I think it's a really important from thinking standpoint, because TikTok decided to sure. rag on me for this. When I said, we said playing at a small school can develop your game much better. And they're like, well, what about all these guys who, yeah. who played at big schools? Steph Curry was not projected to be one of the best players to ever play basketball. Otherwise, he would have been recruited. So I'm interested mm-hmm. in watching these people right. who perform beyond their projections. And mm-hmm. then guys who didn't perform to their projections and what needed to be adjusted. Because that's where you learn yep. a lot. Trying to learn yep. from the guys who met their projections. It's kind of like, well... You know, yeah. LeBron was going to be one of the best players ever out of high school, and he is one of the best game players ever to play the game. Right. So he met it. Yep. Yep. And then you look at your, you know, one of your favorites is Kelly Olynyk, and you look at a guy like that, like how did he, how did he accomplish that? Good old Kelly Olynyk, the Max Marzo Kelly Olynyk fan club. Here, we're going to make a, a Kelly Olynyk fan club T-shirt. The most, I know. <laughs> the the wildest over overly uh, overproducing asset of all time. At a certain point, if you bet, if you bet the over on him when you got him in as, as a sophomore in college, you would have made a lot of money. That's a great stock yeah. to have bought. Facts, for sure. All right, do you have any other closing comments here, Shane? No, man. I think that was a that was a good talk. I think one podcast that we'll have to come up with soon is the social media stuff, and I guess maybe our approaches and what we see and um, how to consume it and our opinions on that because i do think that plays a big factor in a lot of things that in almost every episode that we talk about highlights training everything yeah we are speakers of the social realm so we have yeah. to engage with it because you as the listener engage to it as well yep yep all right well sure. thank you shane yep another a hey, another good one right there another <laughs> great one <laughs> thank you for the repost thank you for sharing our stuff appreciate you yep. guys as the listeners thank you guys take care